Alexander, you have to know, our live streaming goes to Brazil. Too fast, okay. Live streaming goes to Brazil. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so you can introduce your family to the church here in the States. <laughs> Psalm 62. And... Seventy-two when I do. Anyway, making a comeback, part three, Al. Making a comeback, part three. And we're looking at, um, well, Psalm sixty-two. We'll, we'll look at verse five and six tonight. The Bible says, "My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him." He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And you know, uh, as Steve was talking about that, digress here for a moment. And that is, uh, people are talking about it. A lot of people don't have any answers of what's going on in the Middle East over there. But uh, Peg and I went out to lunch this afternoon at uh, the uh, Chinese place here. Grand Buffet. And while we were sitting there, I could hear uh, there was a fellow and a lady sitting over there. They were an older couple. Younger than us, but they were still older than all those around us. And I kind of gathered he was talking about the Middle East and the situation. Now, I don't know if he was trying to straighten her out or not, but it kind of sounded like he was uh, endeavoring to get her on the right page. And he actually, I heard him actually mention the word with the Bible and so on here. So uh, it, it's out there. And so we'll see how this turns out this time here. And going to try to reschedule uh, Brother August sometime in January or February again and uh, so on. But uh, take advantage of these invitations out here and uh, maybe go someplace to eat and leave one there. Uh, can't hurt, amen. Uh, or give them to a neighbor. Uh, but encourage, I uh, really encourage our home viewers just uh, you probably won't ever get out to hear Dr. August Rosado because that's why you're online with us. Uh, and uh, we encourage you to invite your friends to be online that particular day. Anyway, uh, we have a few more observations that we can make from Psalm 62. The background for this psalm being that David has received heart-troubling news of his son's rebellion and that a vast majority of Israel is also involved in this rebellion. Remembering that this 62nd Psalm is about the historical record recorded back in 2 Samuel chapter 15 through 18 and a few verses on into 19. David is writing about the impact of the rebellion and we can glean from this Psalm important responses to difficult events in our lives and even exercise preventative measures for minimizing the effect of such events that either we're going through now or be prepared for that day when they do happen and when they do come. And so step number one, we said was this, be sure to put things in perspective. Always put things in perspective. 
Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness because they didn't have the right perspective. And I wonder how many times we wander aimlessly looking for answers because we didn't have the right perspective. Well, Caleb and Joshua, they had the right perspective. And God used them greatly, uh, especially uh, during that 40-year trip and also the uh, crossing over into uh, Canaan, into Canaan. Step number two is be sure to rededicate your life to God. When you find yourself going through, go back and remember from whence you have come. You were saved. You came to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And recount the goodness of the Lord, first of all, in saving you and the promises he has given to you and the shepherd that he has been. And so sometimes we have to go back and know and be reminded that God is bigger than our problems. And step number three is be sure to face your fears. Be sure to face your fears rather than run from them. Our God is more than able, he is more than capable of taking us through any problems that he allows in our lives. So tonight, step number four, be sure to take our own advice. That sounds a little weird, doesn't it? Well, would you think about it for a moment? As, as odd as this may seem, but in the multitude of emotions, there are answers and there are solutions as our mind just kind of races around. And sometimes, if we don't have the right perspective, then as our emotions are touching on many different things, we actually miss the answer that's right before our eyes. Now the point here is that mature Christians have more knowledge, now I said mature Christians have more knowledge and understanding than they give themselves credit for. Sometimes we're blindsided. Sometimes we find ourselves facing issues and problems that we didn't expect and it may take us a few moments to recover. But as a mature believer, you read your Bible daily you have studies that you do, Bible studies. You attend church regularly. And you have other sources of valuable input into your life from the scriptures. So we usually have the right answers and we have the right solution. It's in our heart. It's in our minds. Now, if it was someone else that the advice you would give them, you'd have no problem giving them the kind of counsel they need. Our problem tends to be twofold. We overthink the problem in light of God or our relationship with God. That's exactly what the 10 spies that went into Canaan land, they allowed, or I should say, they actually dismantled the immensity of God and the sovereignty of God based on what they saw, what they were experiencing. And if we're not careful, that's exactly what we do. We allow the problem to cause us to dismantle and we have all these buts and what's and whatever else. So we tend to, first of all, we tend to overthink the problem in light of God and our relationship with God. And we somehow reason that we are the exception. No one has gone through what I'm going through and no one has had to deal with what I'm dealing with. Well, you're wrong. It may be new to you, but it isn't necessarily new to anyone else in humanity. And so when we overthink the problem, 
we convince ourselves that we are the exception and we will not invest our lives in what we know to be the answer or the solution because it seems too simple. I can't have the answer. I've got to go talk to someone. I've got to go down to the street here and talk to this worldly psychologist or this worldly psychiatrist. Or I have to get my doctor to give me some medication or something along the line. But giving advice is not a problem. It's in our hearts we know that we are right and we know that it will work when we give it to other people. But when it comes to us taking our own advice, we aren't so sure that it's going to work. We're not so sure. Well, David was a man experienced and knowledgeable in the scriptures of his day. He knew the mind of God as received from the scriptures and from experiences that he had had. He knew that it would be wise to use a measured reaction as opposed to overreacting. And boy, when we start overreacting, we get ourselves into deeper problems. We create, we exacerbate the problem. And so he also knew that it was wise to take time to immediately pray over the circumstances. Not just go off the deep end, because we're going to see the next one here has a lot to do with attitudes. But the idea is that we, we need to just settle down, do a 10 count, so to speak, get along with the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to handle this. And... Uh, he knows where you are. He knows where you are emotionally. He knows where you are mentally. And he knows where we are physically. He knows where we are financially. And he would only allow us to go through things that he knows we are really capable of dealing with as long as we hang on to his hand and allow him to walk us through it. And so he knew, he knew it is always wise to give God or allow God, I should say, to work things out. Let God work you through it. That's the important one. Don't try to work God through it. Let God work you through it. That's a whole different set of uh, operational standards when you think about it. Lord, if you'll do this, and Lord, if you'll do this, and you'll, Lord, you'll do that, and you'll do that, and the Lord says, just don't sit down and shut up. Let me, I know what I'm going to do, and I know what's best. Let me walk you through this thing here. And so... David would have readily given such counsel to others and wisely practice what he would preach. And so if you look at Psalm 62 and verse 5, he said, My soul, wait thou only, you ought to circle that word only, upon God, for my expectation is from him. Lord, you know more than I could ever possibly know. You know, all the, you know how this thing is going to end even before it got underway. And he's right. So we just have to be patient. And wait upon the Lord. Which brings us with the time we've got left. A lot of time. Step number five. Be determined to get back on top. Be determined to get back on top. You know, when you're going through physical difficulties, well, the older we get, we realize hip surgery is always a possibility. Knee surgery is always, uh, replacements is always a possibility. Uh, or any other kind of things that would impact us negatively, physically speaking. And we lament that before this happened, we used to be able to do a lot of things that now we're finding a, a tremendous difficult doing. Well, we live in a wonderful day and age of, 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 of medicine and the things that they can do. Uh, and we don't have to always uh, settle into what we feel we're going to have to settle into. We can certainly move it about. But that is that once we've gone through the medical procedures, whatever it is, 
that there is a process that they use to want to get us on top again. To get above that difficulty that we once had because of whatever the, whatever the uh, uh, physical problem was. But we have to understand that in this contest, to get back on top, attitude. Attitude plays a big part in how we handle our problems. Amen? If the first thing out of your mouth is, Lord, why, why now? That's not exactly a good attitude. I think we're all guilty of it to some degree or another. Oh, Lord, please, not now. Well, God's timing is always perfect. He's never late. He's never early. Uh, he's always on time. But a hot head, or even the opposite, such as losing heart, can be self-defeating. Getting angry with God because he allowed this to happen. We live in a fallen world, and there are things that happen to us. There are physical things that happen to us. There's mental things that happen to us, uh, whether it's a stroke or whether it's uh, the onset of dementia or any number of these things here that we may find ourselves dealing with or a loved one uh, having to deal with. And so we can become very angry with God, or as I said, a hothead, and get very angry with God because he allowed this, and this is not what we wanted. This is not what we needed. Or... When one has a long-term illness or disease, attitude is important to the healing process. And even the doctors will tell you. Now, there may have been a time when some doctors, even nowadays, some doctors may look at you and you talk about your faith in God and yeah, yada, 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 yada. That's, their, that's pretty much your attitude, right? Yeah, okay, I hear you. But others will say, you know, uh, they may not agree with us by any stretch of the imagination. But if it's important to you, it's important to your healing process. Because that's where we're going to find uh, solace. That's where we're going to find peace. That's where we're going to come to the comfort of the promises of God that he's going to take care of us. He's going to get us through this in his own way, in his own time, and in his own fashion. The outcome will always be what God has desired. And so couples married for any length of time and a spouse passes away. The other spouse will lose heart. And sometimes they just kind of throw in the towel and they just sit there and they, they just kind of wait themselves into the grave or they mourn themselves or they grieve themselves into the grave and they pass away uh, not, not, not too long after. Stroke victims become easily discouraged and develop an attitude of what's the use? I can't speak like I used to speak. I can't use my right or I can't use my left. Uh, I, I don't have this. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot of excuses that a lot of people have. And I, I'm not so sure that that's not too uncommon for anybody for the most part. But they tend to give up attempting to recover. Now, some are determined, I'm going I'm to recover from this. And they work tenaciously at it. They work hard to get their speech back as best they can or to get the use of a, uh, a limb that's been impacted. As a result, they work hard to get that back. I think of those who come back from, uh, who came back from the middle of, from, well, from Afghanistan and those places over there, and they came back, and they, you see them on TV, and they've lost a leg. They've lost two legs. And uh, some have lost two legs and an arm. And I'll guarantee you that wherever they were in the, in the uh, military hospitals, they probably had to have a lot of coaching and a lot of counseling to get their attitudes back on top. Of Listen, you, you, can, you can still ha have a life. And they probably had just about done everything but give up on it. And yet you see some of these guys, I mean, it's amazing what, they can, what they've learned to do. Uh, if they lost both legs, they've had to learn to use their, their upper extremities there and wheelchairs and uh, all the kind of modern things that they've got today that are real helps. 
people who have lost arms and so on. They've got these uh, uh, prostheses they can use today that are that are wonderful for the most part. Nothing like the original. But once you get once you get the attitude straightened out, then you begin, you begin to realize that I'm not going to let this defeat me. I've got maybe a wife. I've got a husband. I've got a family. I've got to live for. And uh, I'm going to do everything I can to get back on top of these things here. And so uh, attitude is such a vital part of the healing and the recovery process. So in this psalm, David knows what is at stake. Absalom is endeavoring to take the throne by force, not because God ordained it, not because God appointed it or, or anointed him. He's going to take it because he thinks his father's too old. He no longer deserves. And he may have some valid criticism of his father because he didn't handle the uh, rape of his sister, uh, Tamar. Uh, he didn't handle a number of things very well, especially when Absalom took off and fled for his life and then bringing him back through Joab. And so David didn't always handle maybe the family matters or the familiar uh, matters as he ought to have handled them. And I'm sure that that was in the uh, recesses of Absalom's mind as well. And that perhaps maybe it was time for new leadership. And he was going to do it by hook or by crook. Unfortunately, rather than waiting on God, and of course maybe he had the idea that Solomon's already been anointed by God and chosen by David in that process. But David knew that he was anointed 20 plus years earlier to be Israel, Israel's king after Saul's failed reign. Absalom has this foolish idea that it's time for change even though he has no indication or anointing to replace his father. It's always a dangerous thing, thing to go up against God and think that somehow you can outsmart him or circumvent him. You can't do it. So simply because wanting something or thinking something should be the way that we see it, is no indication that God is in agreement. Absalom obviously has a serious attitude problem, an attitude in which it is also obvious God is not in the rebellion. And when we handle things, we mishandle things. We realize, I don't believe God's in that at all. We may want to believe it, but if we're not doing it under the direction of the Lord, and if it doesn't fall within uh, Scripture, that's what I want to use. I want to use the word procedures, but that kind of seems a little uh, protocol. Maybe I should use the word uh, within biblical protocol. Then you know that God's not in it. Because God does everything decently and he does everything in order. David waited patiently for, God, for the anointing that he had received by Samson. Samson, not Samson, but King Samuel. <laughs> Prophet Samuel, I get it out. Samuel, uh, with Prophet Samuel, who anointed him. And he waited patiently. Even though he had opportunities to take King, King Saul's life, he waited patiently. He said, Lord, you put him in there, you're going to have to take him out. And that's exactly what God did in God's timing. So David is fighting a dual difficulty here. There is the rebellion led by his third son. And I'm sure he loved his son. Our, our, our kids can do some things that just embarrass the fire out of us. Our kids can do things that disappoint us. But we love them. 
And I'm sure this is the way it was with David. He said, now, what am I going to do? This is my son. He's probably thinking about how he didn't take care of Amnon when he should have taken Amnon should have been punished. He should have uh, uh, taken an interest in, in Tamar, and, but he didn't do any of that. So he's fighting a, a dual difficulty here, and there is the rebellion led by his third son, Absalom, and his closest advisor, Ahithophel, who, by the way, David slept with his granddaughter-in-law, Bathsheba, and had Uriah, her husband, Ahithophel's nephew, killed. Grandson, I should say. Uh, so the second one was, then there are his own emotions that he has to wrestle with. Emotions can be very deceptive. We need to isolate emotions from the facts. Look at the facts and allow the facts to determine the nature and the response of our emotions. That's called keeping our attitude in check, if you will. And so David chooses to fight back against each and get back on top. So rather than give in to his dilemma and his emotions and throw up his hands and throw in the towel, David chooses to fight back against each, uh, each of these two, the rebellion as well as his emotions, and get back on top of the circumstances to not be, and not, and to not be removed by them. And so when we are right with God, prayed up, read up, living right, we can maintain the right attitude in our circumstances and know that God is going to take care of us. Verse 6. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. So, two more things to add to your list. When it seems like your world, the bottom is falling out of your world. Amen? Make sure you have the right attitude. Make sure you endeavor to get back on top because God will get you there one way or the other. Amen. All right, so we do have the same prayer list for those who are looking online. We have the same prayer list on there with the, maybe uh, I, I changed it, Doug Russell and family's adjustment to Martha's graduation. I think that's one thing that I added there that wasn't there before. And let me see, uh, and I also put on the back there Paul Reese fighting brain cancer and to pray for the efficacy of his treatments if you will. And I think that's all that I really added there to that. Can I add Lainey? Because she's not feeling well right now. I understand she's sick. All right. And Erica's got some tonsil problems. Mm. Leave it or her, I regrow them. <laughs> all right, so you might want to add those two. Her first name is? First time again. Keith. Keith. And so you're going to be with us until December what? Um, 5th. 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 December 5th. 
That's a Tuesday. Uh, we'll pray that you have traveling mercies. Trip on the way home. Oh, yes, yes, Lorraine Hart. I forgot to tell you about that. She was visiting, uh, um, Brother Ed and Lorraine were visiting their daughter in New Jersey, and she had an appendicitis attack. And they had to, she went to the ER, they put her in the hospital, but she did have an additional infection uh, in there as well. So remember, uh, Lorraine, I haven't gotten a notice as to what's going on at this particular point, but um, pray for her. Rosa for surgery at nine. Okay. We'd like to pray for tonight. And Tammy, did you want to pray with Angelina? Is, is it Angelina? I want to say Angela. Al? L. Alexandra. No? You need to stay here for another couple months so I can get it. So. <laughs> It takes me a while. Just think of it this way. Al is Angela. Oh, Al is Angela. Yes. Oh. I've forgotten it already. <laughs> All right, so Steve and, and Allison, would you do group number one? And uh, Isabel, would you and Peg get together on the uh, pregnancies? Jack and Chris, how about group number two? Um, Chris and, and Rochelle, would you get together with um, the uh, Salvations? Did I miss anything? I did pregnancies and I gave you Salvations too, right? To give you both of those? <laughs> I lost my track. Uh, Connie and Carrie, how about Salvations? And uh, who did I not assign? Did I give you, would you pray for the missionaries of the month? Then I'll go in the back and I will get with Al and pray for the Calvary and I'll pray for these others on here. Everybody, all these, I covered all the bases on this one here. Okay. <clears throat>